this aberration, whose only means of expression are wanton violence and destruction. that within every normal system there exists an aberration, something different. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, there we go. It's actually about about noon for me. So uh so you uh you say you what do you do? You work like a third late third shift, something like that? I work uh from 7 p.m. to 8 a.m. Mm. Uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night. So Ooh, I've worked one of those in the past. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of brutal. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, I started this job. Mm. The first day of this job was, uh, I think, the day Peckerwood came out. Mm. So um, it's been almost ten years, and I'm. I'm- time flies I'm very very gray and i haven't written a word since so. uh well for uh in your own words jed um for the listeners who are unaware maybe of you and of peckerwood uh who is uh jedediah Ayers? he's just a guy who watches a lot of movies i can vouch for that you definitely do watch a lot of movies and that's from somebody who watches a fair share of films. Um, you're uh, quite prolific. Um, you're also a writer, but like you said, uh, Peckerwood is the last thing you've written in terms of like a book, right? Yeah, it's it's the last last book I wrote, and I wrote it in 2010. So, uh, and we'll I will get into that in terms of like why you have it um and i have my assumptions right um because you know i write and i sort of understand that plight uh Mm -hmm. but before i do all that um i want to talk about peckerwood off top uh what it's about i first heard of your book uh from a friend of mine uh i was with joey hirsch uh oh yeah yeah yeah, I haven't spoken to him in a long time. You guys are both Ohio. That's yeah, right, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I haven't spoke to him in a while. I need to reach back out and reconnect. You know, with him. I just, I he just sent me a new book. I haven't heard from him in years, and uh, yeah, I just got a new book from him. I need to text him and see what's going on. <laughs> but yeah, I was with him. Um, I had, I went over to his place. We were watching like a, a, a boxing match, and um. He gave me some books um, and he told me, have, have I read Peckerwood? And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's by Jedediah Ayers. It's like, it's like great. He like raved about it. Right. So I was like, okay. Um, and that was probably around the time that it came out. Um, it wasn't too far off. Uh, so immediately I was like, all right, let me check out what this is. Um, and upon uh, one Peckerwood is like, type of stuff that i'm attracted to in terms of uh it's a novel where there's like no good people (laughs) there's like no (laughs) redeeming characters uh and i actually kind of love that um because it flies in the face of common wisdom right what they always want to tell you that 
You need to make it sold about as many copies as they they would tell you it would sell <laughs> if you didn't have any uh, yeah uh, good folks yeah but you know taste is not one of those things that uh I feel like the masses necessarily have right just because something isn't widely accepted or widely popular isn't indicative of the quality right um sure so. so you know, it's it's one of those books that, like, I responded to, and I actually picked it back up uh, before talking to you. Uh, and I pretty much read it in a sitting. Um, Please, yeah, and like you're uh, the one. <laughs> and what I'll say about Peckerwood, um, and I'll let you speak uh, your piece about Peckerwood in terms of in your own words what Peckerwood's about. It follows three POVs, right? It follows mm-hmm. uh, Terry Hickerson, who I deem as the Peckerwood, uh, <laughs> like himself, right? Like I deem it, like when I read this novel, I'm like, no, yes, it's Peckerwood. Yes, you know, the title can, you know, uh, summarize probably a lot of the characters in this book. But to me, right. Terry, Terry's the Peckerwood, right? He's probably the titular character, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's Terry Hickerson, right? Um, great A scumbag, pretty much. Uh, great guy to be around. Uh, then there's Jimmy Mondale, who's the sheriff of this town. Um, the name of the town is what Spruce or am I wrong? Uh, I think you're right. Yes. Yeah, Spruce, Spruce. Right? I know it's been a while. It's a, it's a fictional town. Fictional town in Missouri. It's based on that whole ha- Hamilton County is fictional, but, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it's based on my experiences and, uh, right. not that I cooked meth or, or ran a brothel or anything like that but uh yeah i got a lot of speeding tickets in in (laughs) those towns yeah yeah wink wink no um and then uh the third character is uh chowder thompson and uh chowder thompson he's like this ex-biker he owns a brothel um it's called darlings it's a trailer park brothel which i kind of like that touch like a trailer park brothel uh and he also owns a, a, a bait it's called bait and more it's like a it's like a fishing shop but like basically the fishing shop is a front like yeah it makes money but all the money that he makes from darlings is funneled through that and what you find out is that uh chowder and my uh, jimmy the sheriff are business partners and basically they keep out anybody from coming into the town you know uh various other sort of organized criminals like you know people from kansas city memphis you know um and and, and immediately every and this is what i liked about the book right every time you're introduced to one of these characters uh it seems like at first you're like should i like this guy and immediately you're like no i shouldn't <laughs> like uh very fast and What's the, I mean, I know the plot because I literally just read the book. I don't know if you, you know, I know it's been a long time for you, even though you've wrote the thing. Um, what's your plot summary for Peckerwood and like these characters in general? Well, so yeah, you got a, you got a cop and a criminal who are business partners and run the town mm-hmm. and, uh, and they've got a symbiotic relationship that uh, has allowed the town to prosper both from the legality of, you know, Chowder's Batonmore, the, the front pays taxes, right? Mm-hmm. So the town gets its tax base basically from this, yeah. from this, but it's, you know, it's getting a tax base from all the, the hookers and the drugs and things like that. But they also 
yeah, they keep out they keep out organized crime. Uh, that uh, you know, they, they basically figure vice is vice is something that people are going to do, and you can either send them all to jail, or you can you can regulate it and, and pay taxes under the table. And, and and they think that's a that's a pretty good pretty good deal. They keep each other in check. But then Terry, the two bit Penny Annie criminal <laughs> with uh, you know no interest in preserving uh order of any kind uh he's just kind of a powder keg that uh goes off and upsets the balance and you got a a federal or a, you got a a state prosecutor who's hoping to uh make a career he doesn't care who he busts the the criminal or the cop but he figures he'll make his career off of that so there's just there's this symbiotic relationship holding the town together and uh, a bunch of pressure coming from weak spots uh, to see who's going to cave, which way everything's going to crumble. Yeah. The prosecutor is a Dennis Jordan, right? The assistant state. I think so. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, correct. Yeah. um, And I, I actually liked, you know, there's so many good characters to be honest with you, but yeah, those are the main, you know, the main three, then you have Cal, we have Cal, who's like a Terry's like partner in crime, an equally uh, <laughs> an equally uh, unpredictable kind of uh, <laughs> enjoyable kind of scumbag. <laughs> uh, then you have uh, who else am I thinking? Erm, Erm Thompson, who is actually uh, Chowder's daughter, who uh, is essentially kind of like Chowder's uh heir to the throne um reluctantly yeah, says, from his, on his, his only part. child yeah yeah on and, his part. He, it yeah. seems like he hasn't he doesn't have a lot of confidence in her for 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 uh legit reasons <laughs> uh he's concerned about her she seems to be a little a uh, bit of a hothead right um yeah yeah uh and then you have I'm trying to think of any any other like oh brother eli uh which is an interesting character uh, a closeted uh, televangelist, TV evangelist, uh, who um, gets set up by. <laughs> I'm not going to ruin this book. I'm going to make people read this book. Uh, who gets set up by Terry? Let's just say that Terry has a Terry and Cal come up with a good plan to set this this guy up. Um, and I'm not going to I'm not going to go too much into the details of the plot because, uh, like I said, I do think people should read this book. Because according to you, it didn't, it didn't, you know, not, not a lot of people have, right? Um, but again, I feel like a big, a big reason why I do sort of this podcast is to sort of highlight things that I feel like need to be talked about, or I feel that needs to be talked about, right? Um, you know, and I feel like knowing, just knowing you, this is like our, you know, we, we've kind of interacted online for a while. Uh, also, you you I failed to mention you have a, a long running blog, Hard Boiled Wonderland, um, that has a lot of great stuff on it um, that people should check out. By the way, uh, but I wanted to ask you, uh, what was the genesis uh, for Peckerwood? Um, or more specifically, it was like how it probably. Came yeah, so 
that's a good question. That's been a long time ago. Um, I was trying to write a book back in 2006, 2008. Um, and I, I kept getting, getting into it and then getting in the weeds and I couldn't figure out it wasn't the story that I was having a hard time cracking. It was the structure. I couldn't figure out how to, how to make it work. Um, I, and it was, uh, I, I, I couldn't tell if I needed to tell the story with a lot of flashbacks in it, or if I needed to break it up into two parts and have it, uh, uh, I, I was just having terrible trouble with it. If you've written, you understand, yeah. but, um, I finally decided that one character in the book, um, I kept writing more and more about because I just really <laughs> enjoyed writing him. It's the Terry Hickerson character. And I decided he needed his own book. Um, that, that was the thing I, I had to write the book that came before the book I was trying to write. So I threw away, you know, 40,000 words and, um, wrote a book that comes before the book I was trying to write. And, uh, and then I, I failed to write the book I was trying to write, uh, after that. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get there it. You go. I get it. I get it. Um, and it's a funny thing because, uh, um, as a writer, right? Like I've, I'm one of those, like I have, I've had a, I've had a weird sort of existence, especially the past, you know, four years. Uh, but in my, since I started writing, really, it's been a weird sort of, uh, journey for me. Right. Like, uh, I've worked every kind of weird job possible. Um, then I lived in Los Angeles, um, for a few years. Um, primarily my thing has been screenwriting cause screenwriting was sort of kind of, um, I don't know, like you, you know, uh, you know, I love movies, right? Mm -hmm. um, but as you can see, I got a lot of books. And ironically, I probably have more books than I have than anything. Um, but I say that because uh, what I've experienced, right? What have I what, what I've experienced as a writer um, doing screenwriting specifically uh, is I have a different kind of kinship with people who write prose people who write fiction like i do i have that same sort of camaraderie with a lot of screenwriters uh but how do i say this uh i'm not trying to be politically correct here that's not something i really do but uh, uh I, but a lot of screenwriters aren't actually writers you know if, if you know what i'm saying um uh, i'm not sure yeah well i don't know a lot of screenwriters <laughs> yeah well, I'll say this, right? Like screenwriting is writing, right? But um, it is a type of writing that attracts people who aren't really writers. Like, yes, there's writers. There are writers who, who are, who I would say, yeah, this person's a writer, but they're a screenwriter. But there's also people who are just like, you know, um, they're hustlers for, you know, that's, that's what I call them. You know, like they're hustlers. They're like, they'll tell you, you know, they'll be like, look, man, uh, this isn't poetry. Like, uh, 
you know i'm just i'm just making a movie right you're saying they don't uh, they don't they're not uh, sentence level writers yes right right they're there they're, they're competent enough some of them um that they can sort of understand the structure of, of, of a script in a movie they've seen enough movies like most people i think i think most people know the structure because they're just so inundated with you know film you know since they're able to watch tvs you know so everybody kind of knows the the movie structure you know even if they don't formally know it uh but like i said before those types of people um are, are I run into them a lot um and I found I know a lot of people who have kind of ba- uh like bounced between both worlds right like I know a lot of people who do both um and I've kind of been like somebody who has sat on my hands a little bit uh so I I can relate to sort of like not uh <laughs> like not producing uh certain things right like not like not specifically pros right like yeah. uh like I have a gestating uh, novella, basically, uh, that I've been sitting on for for a long time. Um, um, but I've been I constantly am like making side money writing scripts. So I feel like a lot of my energy is devoted to, you know, doing these things, you know, and that thing is sort of in the background. Um, but. And I promise I'm trying to make some sort of coherent sense here when I talk to you about this. <laughs> uh, but I, I I bring that up for a few reasons. I bring that up for a few reasons. I bring that up because in 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 the context of this, you know, podcast, right? Like it, it, it was really important that like I have you on and specifically because I know when I asked you about this book, <laughs> your response was kind of like yo <laughs> i don't know if you want to talk about this book <laughs> like i'd rather talk about movies which we we're definitely we definitely can do that right but but um it's important that like i highlight things outside of movies because i have such an affinity for for writing like you know actual writing you know what i mean as not just movies right um and i feel like your book again is just uh, uh uh it's very interesting to me that it's this thing that you made right and i, I and i'm trying I, I know that like you could say what you want and you don't have to say anything you don't want but uh why the gap you know so why the gap mm-hmm. from from mm-hmm. now you know, from, from, from then to now, or, you know. Sure. So, I mean, there's several reasons for it. Um, you know, one of the main one was, uh, like I said, I started the job that I do now yeah. on the day Peckerwood was published, um, or at least the week Peckerwood was published. Um, and the job I have now uh, is a night job. I work overnight, uh, which means when I'm up during the day on the half of the week that I'm not working, I'm, I'm often a zombie. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I had young kids. My kids were a lot younger yeah. uh, uh, when Peckerwood was published. But they're, um, you know, I got responsibilities that I'm zombified through. So, you know, it was just a, a big suck of, of energy <laughs> out yeah. the door. Yeah. Um, 
I had written Peckerwood in 2010 and uh, submitted it and couldn't get, didn't get traction on it. Um, and didn't then just kind of put it away and figured it was never going to be published. And uh, so, you know, I was already, I was already kind of had moved on and decided um, I wasn't, wasn't thinking about it so much. Uh, J. David Osborne came along and mm. uh, started a, started a publishing company, put out a, uh, a, a statement, you know, before, uh, before the, the, the launch. before Broken River was started, mm. uh, yeah. you know, what he was looking for. And I don't exactly remember how that came to my attention, but I saw it. And I thought, well, well, if anybody, like if, if this book appeals to anybody, it might appeal to him. So um, I sent it in. He did respond well to it. Um, I wasn't, I still wasn't entirely sure I wanted, <laughs> I wanted it published. Um, <laughs> but uh, frankly, when that, that uh, lineup that, that initial lineup of uh, Broken River Books was announced, or you know, when he told me who else he was publishing, William Boyle, who I already knew and liked, uh, Stephen Graham Jones, who I already knew and liked, Anthony Neil Smith, who I knew and liked, and uh, you know, who published as Red Hammond, and uh, Pierce Hansen, who I knew and liked. I was like, holy shit! I love the people he's putting out, and then I saw the covers. <laughs> And I was like, <laughs> frankly, I think the cover for Peckerwood is better than the book Peckerwood. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty beautiful. And I said, no, absolutely. It's worth like, that's an object I want to own is mm -hmm. the, uh, the physical book with that cover on it and be part of this great company. Absolutely. So I did it. Uh, I'm glad I did it. Uh, you know, I paid for, uh, several, you know, I, I, I had a nice little run there, but uh, my energies also went to screenwriting. Oh, yeah. yeah. I did a fair amount of screenwriting in the last several years. That's, of course, all, you know, it's like nothing has materialized, yeah. but it keeps leading to other things. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and, a, that's a very and again, story. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, a little bit of money here, a little bit of money, money there, here. but, you mm -hmm. know, years and years of work and nothing to show for it. Mm -hmm. uh you know other than money which is great um but um every time i get I, I i thought i would you know knuckle down and get the next book written uh something else came up and and i generally grew less and less enamored yeah. <laughs> of my uh you know of the idea and uh and then covid was the final nail in the coffin um <laughs> I had finished a, uh, you know, a write a screenwriting for hire gig um, in January 2020, and I was just getting ramped up to, you know, start working on on my follow up to Peckerwood again, and uh, yeah, lockdown happened, and I lost my place to write. I, I used mm -hmm. to go to a grocery store that was 24 hours and, <laughs> uh, and I'd go there, you know, I'd write from like midnight to six mm -hmm. 
mm -hmm. uh, sitting in the little empty coffee corner, uh, you know, just getting self-serve coffee every couple hours. And, um, you know, absolutely nobody in there and I couldn't get on the internet and uh, I, just, I would sit there and write, but there's not 24 hour uh, grocery stores anymore. Right. And the grocery store was in, that little coffee corner doesn't exist anymore. And uh, yeah, those are, it, crucial. you know, I mean, for, it was a good year, year and a half before places were even open. Like I just, mm -hmm. I can't write it in the house. I mean, yes, I could. Jim Thompson supposedly wrote in his bathroom <laughs> all night, you know, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, or at least that's the fictionalized version that he wrote. Um, and I'm not, you know, one of those people who says you got to write every day to be a writer or something like that. I'm, you know, I don't, Every time somebody posts a, something like, you're not a writer unless you do this or something like that, it would, it just drives home to me. I'm not a writer. So I guess I'm not a writer. That's, not that's, true. Why, I have, that's why I haven't written anything. Uh, that's any, not, any that's not true, man. That's not true. Uh, and it's funny that you say that because I'm very similar. Uh, I usually need to be at a, at a like out of the house to write. Um, there's mm -hmm. something about I'm usually in a coffee shop. Um, I have my preferred ones that I go to, like, you know what I mean? That I know I have like uh, enough space for me to be, like you said, off in a corner. And uh, there's something about um, now I've, I've trained myself now to, to write anywhere. Uh, but it took a long time for me to do that. Like it took, it was one of the hardest things I've ever did, honestly, was to like force myself to just like write wherever but if I'm like seriously like trying to write something, chances are I'm not home. <laughs> yeah, you sound like a pervert who's glad he can jack off on the subway. You know, I was like most of us need a, some privacy and things like that. But I train myself; I can do it anywhere. It just well, I mean, doesn't that, matter if people are around or you know whatever. It's I, how do you think I learned how to do it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yes. Uh, I definitely understand that, though. I definitely understand the need to sort of any like you said, you have kids and it's home is home. Right. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like it's a different kind of energy, a different kind of vibe. You know, like I have kids and, you know, my two kids. Well, one is. Basically grown. Um, the other one is he's eight. But now, I mean, me and their mother are no longer together. Um, so it's kind of really altered. It's kind of really altered my whole existence in terms of the way I like even now my house is quiet, like, which is rare. My son was here a little bit ago, but like, I have, I have nights now where it's like, you can't hear anything. Like it's, it, it's, so it's like, to me, I'm like, that is a new, that's still a feeling I've been adjusting to, you know, over the past couple of years where it's just like, holy shit. And it's almost like now that I'm faced with this uh, prospect of like, Oh, you can, I find myself like, well, I need to leave. <laughs> I need to leave to do it, you know, and I have to like bite down and like force myself to do stuff here. Um, so I'm like literally turning different areas of my house into places to write. Like my garage, I've turned into a little writing space, like just anywhere, like anywhere, like off in the corner, because I know that like it's uh, there will be times and this the COVID, the COVID shit did this to me, too, where stuff shut down. And I was like, well, I can't write. Um, anywhere like i have to you know um but i ended up traveling for some screenwriting stuff during covid and i had to like hole up in random weird places to actually get pages 
done. Um, so hopefully, uh, one day you will, uh, crack open the laptop or whatever it is you write on. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean, at this point, uh, I don't even have a computer, so, um, I'll get you a, uh, get you an alpha smart Neo. <laughs> uh, I've got a word processor down here in the basement, but I don't have any, uh, I don't have a printer. I don't have yeah. any software that would work with it. So, uh, I, at the, right now I'm actually waiting on a, a possible screenwriting gig, uh, mm-hmm. and that would, that would have an, a reasonable advance that I could, I could go buy a computer <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. at this point. I, I don't have one and, and uh, mm-hmm. I tweet with my thumbs and that's horrible. So I, I hardly tweet anymore. Uh, so. so what happened to your old one? Did you just die on you? Just crap out and get rid of it? It was about ready to, and I smashed it. Um, <laughs> uh, it was, it was really it was really decrepit and old, but, uh, yeah. yeah, I, I'm not proud of it, but I, I did. I, I, I lost my temper and Listen, smashed it. You don't have to explain to me. It's a perfectly re- when somebody tells me they smashed their laptop, it's like, that's a perfectly reasonable thing. I, I understand. I, I wasn't trying to, I just like, uh, it was open and I like slapped the back of it shut, mm-hmm. like slammed it shut. And when I opened it again, the screen was just was cr- shattered. Oh, yeah. and it was, yeah. Like it was, yeah. It's like, Oh no, I finally killed it. But I'd thought many times recently that it was uh, mm-hmm. like before it, before I killed it, I thought it was dead several times. So. Yeah. I've been there. I've been there quite a few times. <laughs> uh, I do want to ask you, um, about films because i always talk about movies and i know you always talk about movies um so what movies because i can tell because there's a couple references to some movies in peckerwood mm-hmm. uh what movies were influences on peckerwood specifically if any you know one of the biggest ones was uh john sales lone star i love john sales <laughs> i love john sales too but lone star um I'm trying to think. I think the first John Sales I loved was Mate One. Yeah, Matt, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I love Mate One. Yeah. And I think when I saw Lone Star, like I, I didn't realize who John. I didn't know who John Sales was. I just I saw Lone Star, and later on looked. At, oh, he also did that other movie I really loved, and um, yeah, I'd seen a couple others too. But uh, but the character the Matthew McConaughey character in uh, Lone Star, I found pretty compelling in a, in a way, you know, he's probably the closest thing to being a a one-to-one comparison uh, for me uh, to, to Jimmy Mondale, the, the sheriff. I was trying to write somebody who was corrupt but was trying to be corrupt for, for, yeah, he had like this code. Like I can, I can, uh, I can use my corruption for, you know, I can be, uh, I, I, I can, I don't have to get carried away and and greedy and things like that, but I can, I can do something that'll benefit people 
with my corruption. And, you know, I, I think, and he basically just walks around feeling guilty all the time. I'm not sure the Matthew McConaughey character did, but the, yeah, the, yeah. the Jimmy Mondale. Mondale yeah. Um, yeah. He feels terrible all the time about everything. Yeah. Uh, whereas Terry feels He's a terrible all the time for, <laughs> you know, completely different reasons. Cause he, you know, he doesn't feel guilty, but he feels terrible. He feels chipped yeah. and ripped off and like the world owes him. Okay. So I'm going to ask you this. How much is Terry inspired by uh, Miami blues and specifically uh, uh, the character? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> the like Freddie Franger. Um, yeah. Yeah. Huh. You know, I hadn't thought about that. The um, movie version, though, not the no, I mean, not the not not the Marvel, the movie version by Alec okay. Baldwin. Yeah, no, I love that movie. Uh, I love Alec Baldwin in it. Um, that's a that's an interesting thing. There could be there, that there there could be some influence there. I hadn't thought of it. Um, a now I'd already started writing it when I met um, the author Scott Phillips. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's become uh, a good friend and he's my screenwriting partner. Um, oh, I, I went to dinner with Scott Phillips one time with with Joey. Yeah, with he, Joey. OK, because yeah, Joey had he, he was had him in town for a reading and like we went to dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've met Scott one time in person. Yeah. 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 So Scott Scott's a good friend and um, and a writing partner. I had started writing this all before I met him. But Scott does something really well that I, I probably probably knowing him and reading his work and I'd, I'd read his stuff before I met him. But um, uh, this this kind of uh, character, he's uh, oh, shit, I'm blanking on uh, his character's name. Um, uh, Wayne. Um, uh, Wayne Ogden. Um, the in in Scott's books, the Ogden family. He's got yeah, Bill yeah. Ogden books, and he's got Wayne Ogden books. Um, but Wayne, uh, who's in the Walk Away and the Adjustment, um, he's really he's he's kind of a psychopath, uh, and he's got short stories with Wayne. He's got short stories with Wayne as a young kid and things like that. And I just he's one of these characters who just uh it does what comes into his mind and doesn't it doesn't try to work it out or anything like that it's just like it's there in my mind why wouldn't i do it uh you know and um he's a terrible father and things like that uh but doesn't think of himself that way um yeah, yeah some, of the, so, some of the funniest moments in peckerwood are sort of uh <laughs> Terry's uh opinions of himself in his uh when it comes to his son like you yeah. know like he, he's got he's got good genes he's like he's like so like he's like he, he takes after his dad look at like you know he sees moments where he refers to it like as if that's a good thing like, like it's like yeah. you are the worst person ever like why do you think that's a good thing that your son you know has this Hickerson you know the Hickerson gene uh or whatever uh uh which I I it made me laugh audibly every time um <laughs> uh when i was rereading i was laughing about that uh yeah so this this 
I'm trying to think how, how what is your day? Here's another question since we're on the subject of films that influenced uh, uh-huh. um, what is your because you work such a strange and I've worked a similar schedule my, a few times at different places in my life like that, right? What is your schedule? Because you watch a lot of like I said, when I say this, when I say I don't know if people understand, maybe people that follow you on social media know this. When, when I say that Jed watches a lot of movies, that's not like hyperbole. Like that's not like Jed. I've seen you post list of movies you've watched in one month. Like, you know, this month I watched and it's like endless, right? How do you, what, like, what is your day? Like, how do you watch movies? Like, how do you watch so many movies? <laughs> I, I, you know, I only watch them when I'm awake. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the secret really. You said like, just when you're awake. <laughs> just when I'm awake. Just when you're awake. Yeah. 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 Because I don't I, sleep much. I watch my fair share, but I've gotten to the point now where, where, my I'm more concerned with like like I used to be less discerning put it this way like like the quality was not that big of a deal to me right um mm-hmm. I would watch pretty much anything and anything I'd give it all a shot and I don't mean quality in terms of like uh the films like a quality made like the production value or anything like that I mean like quality in terms of like if there's a good chance that I'm gonna like actually like enjoy this films I've become a lot more uh, specific with my, my film watching. So it's like, it shrunk the amount of movies I do cons- like watch now. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I've gotten a lot better at sort of like curating my own sort of like, like movie watching. Cause I can kind of tell fairly quickly if I'm going to like dig something or not. Like I'll, I'll, you know, I'll go first. The thing that's going to attract me is obviously maybe if I see a trailer or something, right. Um, then I'll look into the movie fast. You know, I'll look, I'll be like, okay, what is it about? Okay, boom. And I could kind of make a pretty solid decision if this is worth watching, right? Every now and then I'm disappointed, but I've gotten, I've got a pretty good, uh, I've got a pretty good barometer at this point of knowing myself, right? Like, okay, I'm going to dig this or I'm not going to dig it. So that's like, I still watch a lot more movies than I know, than a lot of people. Um, but you definitely have me beat. Like, I'm not putting out list like like that. <laughs> like, you're watching a lot more than me right now. Like, I'm I, I'm um, I'm curious though. Uh, do you read much at all? Uh, not as much as I used to. So, I used to, uh, I used to blog. I used to be a professional. I mean, not my full time job, but I used mm-hmm. to blog for uh, Barnes and Noble. I was their mystery blogger. They had, I, I don't mean mis- I, mystery, like no one knew who I was. I mean, like the genre, genre uh, they, they had a, like a, a horror, a sci-fi blogger and a romance blogger and a cooking blogger and a self-help blogger. I was their mystery blogger for a few years. And, um, you know, I got tons and tons of books and I, I read, too much <laughs> i had uh yeah. you know it was one of those things where i like i kept putting down things i was enjoying to read something i felt like i needed to to keep up with mm-hmm. you know what i was gonna be writing about and that that drove me nuts so i've i've actually i've kind of gone the other way sounds like that you have i read less and less but i'm more partic- i'm a lot more, more particular. particular about what i'll read yeah but i'll watch anything 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I now like, uh, and I'll, I'll hate something from the, from the time it starts that I'll stick it out though. I'm like, I'm going to defeat this movie. I'm going to, or, or there's something in there to learn, you know, like, mm-hmm. frankly, I learn a lot more from bad movies than I do from good ones because good ones conceal why they're so good. You really have to study a good movie to figure out often why it's so good because it's invisible to you. You just want to let go of your critical thinking and, and, and take it all in. But man, if something sucks from the get go, <laughs> you know, that's all you got now is you, cause you're not absorbed in it. You, you just, you're critical. You're like, God, that the pacing is terrible. This was completely unnecessary. It's a horrible way to frame I feel like this, I hate, you know? I feel like I hate more movies than you though. Like, like, oh, I feel you like- probably do, <laughs> but I, I, I also, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people and, you know, I'm not, this is not a, I'm not saying that they're better or worse than me uh, for, for the way they, uh, they do things, but they don't have time to watch the movies, mm-hmm. the amount of movies I'm watching. That's fine. Uh, that's, that's okay. So they're they're gonna really they they only watch you know if something isn't a four star movie uh, they feel like they've really wasted their time and maybe they they have their time's more precious than mine is um, but me man I'm looking for those two two and a half star movies that are mostly. You know, they've just got this little something in it that's really worth, yeah. really worth something. And it's, you know, it's packaged badly. It's it's in the middle of a big mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's something in there that that's uh, that's really interesting or, or really unique. Yeah. And, you know, shit, if I could rip that off and put it. I mean, how many yeah. people watch that two and a half star movie? You know, not not that many people. Well, here's the thing don't, about don't that. Remember it? Here's the thing about the like the ratings and the two and a half stars. Like, I don't take that. I don't take. I don't put any validity in that. Like, because I just. I'm just I, saying that the, the what you would consider what most people would consider. You but know, that's like, but like you though, is subjective. Taste is subjective, but like you, if it's got a two star rating, I'm probably gonna check it out. Like, I'm gonna at least it's gonna like for me when I'm looking for stuff, if it's rated low, I'm probably like. Let me like like let me do some investigating. Like so, I'll sure. I'll but I'm saying the movies that I would watch and mm-hmm. I would rate it two stars, or two <laughs> and a half stars. You know, I would watch it and go, yeah, not great. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. There was this little five minute scene in there right. where this happened, and I'd never seen that before. I thought that was interesting, and yeah. uh, you know, I like that. You know, uh, speaking of broken river books and uh authors obsessed with movies mm-hmm. david james keaton uh wrote a book that broken river published called the last projector yeah i have that book i haven't read it i it's, have the, uh, i have the ebook i don't have the active you have the ebook. Book. okay yeah, yeah, yeah. well there's a line in there mm-hmm. that uh seemed um that really stuck out to me uh when i read it and it's it's characters talking about uh talking about movies and um one of them says you know like 
anybody can watch a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody can watch a good movie, but you know, you're really dedicated. You really, uh, if you can stick out a bad one, you know, like most people can't do it. And some you know, of the bad, some, some of the bad that. movies are punishing. Like some of them are. Oh sure. Punishing. Yeah. Oh, I hate. I hate a lot of them. Doesn't mean <laughs> I'm not gonna. I mean, don't don't take my you know letterboxed lists as endorsement. Nah, <laughs> That's yeah, just yeah. what I've watched. Right. Listen, I I love a good bad movie. Like, for me, it's just weird because it's like a it's like this weird sort of like like you said, taste is subjective, right? But it's like an alchemy thing, right? Where it's like there's certain elements of trashiness that for are, are there's a certain like unquantifiable like mix of certain like bad things that are that are a sweet spot for me. Where I'm just like, oh, I love this. And everyone else will be like, this is horrible. But I'm like, no, 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 no. This is like it's it's hitting like it's it's singing like, you know how they say like um dogs can hear like at a higher frequency than like humans mm-hmm. we can't hear it's like it's like um, some movies like are bat for bat hit that frequency for me that no one else can hear and i'm just like no, no 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 like listen listen you can't hear that it's 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 wonderful it's like angels singing or some shit <laughs> like you know so i i understand my whole thing is though is is uh again like it's just so it's so for me i've just gotten more i don't know like as i've i have like refined my taste in bad stuff like, you know what I'm saying? And actually the stuff that like a lot, I hate, like I say this all the time, like people say this, all, I just hate a lot of modern Hollywood movies, like stuff that's coming out now. Like, um, like I just do, like, I like the stuff that I tend to like, uh, it's because I see the matrix code. Like when I watch sure. these movies, cause I can see the hero's journey. I can see save the cat. I can see the notes. I know these people. Like, I know the people that write these movies. Like, I can see all the bullshit. Like, I know what they're doing. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like sure. the emperor has no clothes. Like, I, I know what they're doing. Like, so it's like, I can't, like, I'm like, oh, oh. So I'm always looking, like, for new stuff. Like, I talked about this movie um, of an episode that's about to come out tomorrow. Uh, it's, an, it's actually a new movie. Um, it's called Down with the King. It's starring uh, Freddie Gibbs. Uh, who's a rapper who plays a rapper in the movie and actually gives a legit performance but it's not a surprise that this movie was made like pretty much on an indie level right like it was made with fairly minimal crew you know not you know like i think it was you know they had like two cameras small cameras and it was improvised like they wrote a 30 page document that had all the scenes in it but like all of the sort of dialogue was in you know they did it improvise you know improvise it on the set you know did it naturally and it's not a surprise that like it was made in that fashion because the sensibilities that annoy me weren't present like you know what i'm saying so i enjoy a lot of new stuff i just don't enjoy a lot of the new stuff that comes from the big sort of you know uh studios and and the stuff that like gets pushed a lot like you know like i just because again like they're it's they're all the same like it's weird like people will talk about the barbie movie the barbie movie is like uh you know uh hasn't came out yet but like obviously it's like become a its its own memes have been generated from this movie right and people will make fun of the barbie movie right but i i will say this i have not seen the barbie movie but 
I can guarantee that the Barbie movie, the things that people will make fun of the Barbie movie for when it's when it comes out, is probably no different than the things they love. A lot of when I when I say that, like a lot of the sort of typical mainstream moviegoer, like there's not a lot of difference in these than, than the Barbie movie and uh, one of the movies that was nominated for the Oscars this year. There's really not. There's not this gulf of difference. It's just that people are sort of like spoon fed this very formulaic, very paint by the numbers sort of a movie, right? And like, it's replicated no matter what the genre is. They're so similar. I don't know if, if, if you see it, but like, they're so similar that I don't understand how, and maybe I do understand, like I just, it's inside baseball, right? Like I, I kind of know, like I, I can see all the tricks and I know all the characteristics of, of sort of, the the characteristics wrong with the sensibilities i know all the sort of sensibilities of the screenwriters who are working and who get work and 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 i see and it's all it's it might as well be the same screenwriter like there's not a lot of screenwriters like uh that are that are making a lot of money outside of like you know the obvious ones like who you know aaron sorkin or who i'm not a fan of really but but um who's got like their a voice most of them their voice is like generic because it could be one it could be any of them right like it could be really because they all sort of write the same way they're all they all sort of like have they mimic like let's say for example a spec sales tomorrow right a big spec sale it makes maybe high seven figures right the screenwriters in the industry right like they're going to read that script right and anything in that script that they perceive as oh this writer did this, it's sold for that, I'm gonna do it. Now you have hundred, the hundreds of other writers doing the same thing. Oh, like, and it's just small stuff too. It's like, it's like, that's why you see the same stuff repeated over and over again. Like you ever notice like the trends in Hollywood, like, like, no. like uh, so for example, when you watch a movie and this is what I mean, like you say, no, but I guarantee you, you do. Here's why, here's what I mean, here's what I mean. So have you ever watched a movie, right? One of the new movies that's come out like either this year or in the past couple of years, right? And a moment of humor in the movie is a character sees somebody do something like star Wars does it. A million movies do it. A character starts flying. They're flying now. And they're like, they look up, they're flying now. They're flying now. You see that, that repeat, they repeat the joke that it like, and it's, and it's, and it's people it's in every movie almost like it's almost, it's almost in every, like you see so many movies adopt that. And that's just one little tiny example of what I'm talking about where it's like, it's like, you know, there are tropes, right? There are sort of things that get, you know, um, repeated. Like everyone knows, like one of the one of the most tired movie lines is "You look like shit." Like you can find a million movies that you the character looks like you look like shit. You look like shit. You look like shit, right? Well, it's that type of thing. It's replicated, but it's gotten even more prominent and even more sort of like recycled. And the sophistication in the recycling has gotten a little bit more. Um, it's gotten a little bit more, it's not even hidden. It's just like, it used to be a little bit more hidden, right? Like, so sophistication is not even the right word. It's not even the right descriptor because it's less sophisticated, but it's, it's altered in a way now where it's like most of the stuff that you see in big movies, it's like, they're, it's like, uh, uh, it's like, uh, what's the game? Um, not charades. I'm blanking on this game. Uh, where it's like, we use the context clues, right? Uh, uh, what is it? Which is just all context. Oh, like Mad Libs or like it's like sort of like Mad Libs, but I'm blanking on the name of the game. But it's like just the movie 
the movies that get made specifically through the system, right? The Hollywood system are like that, where it's just like, you're just plug in, like plug in, like you just, and it's just swapping out. And a lot of people, and you get, and honestly, I get it. Like you have to answer to a lot of people, you know, um, when you write for like big Hollywood movie stuff, right? So like, if you're, you just want to get paid at the end of the day and you're probably like, I'm tired of getting all these notes from these executives. I don't, I don't, I don't like the notes, but you know, I'm here to do a job. I don't want to be perceived as difficult because that's the thing about screenwriters, right? It's like, you don't want to be perceived as difficult, you know, like, um, so they just sort of acquiesce and get it done. And then, you know, on to the next thing. But my issue is, and it's always been, and it's probably reflective in why I am where I'm at in my career, right? <laughs> uh, uh, if you want to call it that, is everyone else above the line and screenwriters are, are considered above the line. And I've said this before is everyone else that's above the line when they like, whether it's a, even a cinematographer or a director or an actor, they're allowed to sort of voice their opinion. They're allowed to disagree. They're allowed to, they're, it's perceived as like them being professional, but when a screenwriter does it, they're like, yo, we got to fire this person. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Just shut up your typewriter monkey go over there and type your little stuff or, you know and be and then and screenwriters like tend to be like not all of us you know um and i don't even like to call myself a screenwriter i'm more than that i'm a writer but whatever and i'm more than that i'm a i'm a creator yeah i'm pretentious yay but uh <laughs> you know so so when i watch movies now i always I always have to tell people it's through that like lens right like so I have to admit that I am sort of jaded and I have to also admit that I see things that other people don't based on sort of up close and personal experience with a lot of these movies. Like I've been on sets of some of these movies recently that have been made. Um, and I've looked at the scripts and I'm like, how was this being made? This is horrible. Right. But you can't voice that opinion on the set. Right. And I'm not even in the, in the sets that I've been on. I'm only there in one capacity. I'm actually helping I'm, I'm the writer helping one of the cast. Like I'm like there with a specific actor and I'm there to help them with their stuff. So I can't, I'm just the fly on the wall and I'm really not like, but I'm getting this, I'm looking at the scripts and I'm listening, I'm like this, I'm like, I'm just looking at like all, every movie that I've seen up close and personal, that's a Sony Screen Gems movie that I've been, it's horrible. Like I, I just, I read the script and I'm like, this would never, how does this getting like, but I understand the process. The process is by the, that script may be a totally different thing when it got bought. Right. But in order for it to get here to this stage, it's had to pass through so many, like basically gatekeepers and to the point where like they've taken all of the sort of life in character, literal <laughs> characters in care in the character within the characters out of the script. And there's just this, because they want to hit like, they want to hit the biggest audience possible, right? So every time I watch a movie, like I sort of go into it, uh, like I want to like movies, like I do. Like I don't, people think I, I don't want to like movies. Like I actually want to like them. Like mm -hmm. I'm pretty, despite my demeanor, like, and despite the way I come off, I'm pretty easy because I do literally want to, I, I want to like it. Like, it's just the problem is, it starts and then like stuff starts happening and then it's just, hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Do you watch a lot of newer stuff? 
or is it a lot more, you know, because it seems to be you get a fair mix from my. my... Uh, yeah, I try to get a fair mix. You know, I, I lean pretty heavy into crime stuff. Yeah. Um, um, recently, the last few weeks, I've I've been. Um, yeah, I, I stopped blogging. I'm not blogging anymore, so I don't feel like I have to keep up crime stuff the way I, I was before. Um, but I've been watching a lot of, uh, I've actually been looking for the biggest, loudest, tackiest shit that I haven't seen before. And when I say big, I mean like, like, you know, decently budgeted stuff that just looks awful. Uh, but it's like that got made. And, um, so I've been, I've been looking for that kind of stuff and, and I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying binge watching talent rather than a series or something like that. Uh, I'm enjoying picking a director or an actor or a writer, you know, and just like watching everything I can of theirs uh, in a short amount of time until I get distracted or, you know, like um, actually just uh, I watched, I got excited uh, about the new Cronenberg coming out. And I just, I watched all the Cronenberg uh, and then watched the new one. And that was great. Yeah, um, and sometimes, um, you know, that that's a nice thing. Or I remember in January, it was Walter Hill's birthday. And I just like, Walter Hill's birthday. And I just watched, mm-hmm. you know, a dozen Walter Hill movies in a week. And, um, you know, it's just little things like that. It's nice not to have any, any, uh, anything I'm, I'm beholden to. So, um, yeah, I've, I've uh, been watching a lot of Robert Mitchum and Peter Yates movies because Friends of Eddie I'm Coyle. talking this week about uh, Friends of Eddie Coyle with the library group. And um, uh, so, you're talking about, yeah, the the, the, you're talking about the movie in the you talk about the movie in the talking book? about the movie Friends of Eddie Coyle. Yeah, so I reread the book. The book I love the book. Uh, yeah. yeah, I read another George Higgins book, and I read a you know a Mitchum bio, and um, Which I'm even the- thinking. Of What's sorry, up? Sorry to cut you off. Which what's the other Higgins you were at? Uh the um Coogan's trade, rat on fire. No, it was uh Digger's game. Digger's I read game. Digger's game. Yeah. yeah. Um okay. which I think was his second. I think it was right after Friends of Eddie Coyle. Yeah. Either his second or third. It was not not a latter book, but um yeah. uh Jackie I'm even thinking I might read uh, Rum Punch um, <laughs> Jackie Friday, Brown. just because I mean yeah, I know yeah. the character's not not named Jackie Brown in the in the uh, in the uh, the book, but um, but I was watching Jackie Brown today, and I was like, there's so like Tarantino is so clearly influenced by this movie, um, mm-hmm. and clearly and and you know. Uh, um, Elmore Leonard, whose you know book Rum Punch, the movie Jackie Brown is based on, mm-hmm. uh, wrote an introduction to a reissue of the Friends of Eddie Coyle, cool. where he yeah. said it was, you know, the most influential thing on him. So it, you've got Elmore Leonard professing it, and you got Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. showing us mm-hmm. that he's extremely influenced by it. The the um, I loved watching it today, watching Samuel L. Jackson play the gun runner yeah yeah and all these things about him yeah 
are very similar to the character. You Jackie figured it out. I figured that out too. I figured that yeah, out too. I was uh, been telling people that they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, no, Tarantino's slick, man. He, he puts it. I told, I said this before and it might've been in another episode. I said, he hangs a lampshade on a certain thing. Like he'll hang the lampshade on Elmore Leonard. Like who? But the actual influence, the real shit is this other thing that he mentions offhand, like kind of like in a throwaway way. Like, you know, yeah. he does it all the time. Like he did it with, uh, you know, Kill Bill. It's like everybody hands lamp. He hangs the lampshade on like the obvious influences. He'd be like, oh, people will say Lady Snowblood. But it's like, dude, have you ever seen the Truffaut uh, the Truf- uh, movie? The fucking Bride Who Wore Black? Like, it's the same. It's the plot. It's it's the, the whole plot. It's the same. Like, you know what I'm saying? He does that type of shit. So you're right. You're right. And when I read the first time I read Friends of Eddie Coyle, I was seeing I saw shit in uh, Reservoir Dogs, too. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, shit, I rewatched uh, Reservoir Dogs, The Town, the um, uh, even shit like Point Break. Mm. and um god there was one other that was I, i'm blanking on it right now and it was like god they're just they're telling us right out there influence um but yeah it's uh, so it's fun it's fun to have little projects like that to, oh and uh this is watching uh ransom ransom <laughs> and, uh, dan hedea plays a character named jaggy brown in uh, this one and it's written it's written by richard price who's yeah, uh yeah. you know a fucking amazing crime writer and yeah. it, um you know clearly influenced by i mean there's not much friends of eddie coyle influence in this but but i right. do think you don't name a character jaggy brown no, nah, that's uh, not a co- there's no that's not a coincidence. Yeah. At 23. Yeah. Especially, yeah, Richard Price is definitely familiar with George V. Higgins. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. That's interesting that you say that because I've to- I've literally told people that before and they looked at me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, like, nah, man, like it's 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 the, it's and that's kind of what I dig about Tarantino, to be honest with you. Like like some people have criticized him for that. Right. And I, I mean, um, but I kind of, it's to me, it's become a game. Right. When some, when he, when he watched, when I watch some of this stuff, I'm like, all right, what is he really riffing off of? Like, you know what I mean? Like it becomes like a, a puzzle or something where I'm like, all right, let me, okay. What is he like? Let me go back and look, let me, let me go back and, uh, uh, check this out. Uh, like, I do think like, um, have you read that book? Uh, what's the name of the book? Why am I blank on the name of the book? It was written by a Chicago cab driver. It got put out by Hardcase Crime. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I loved it. Uh, something Angel. Uh, uh, Angel. You're right. What is the name of the book right now? Uh, Angel. I literally just read it like a couple months back. Uh, I had the greatest closing line of a book I read that year. Like they went and pumped away the afternoon or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's beautiful uh, it's on my shelf let, let me let me where is it at i'm, I'm it's gonna annoy me uh something angel let me look it's a hard case crime book too even, even though i know that and he self-published it first that. i've got his other books you know he wrote a sequel to that one 
and um, it was it was good too. Nobody's angel. Yeah, here it is. Nobody's angel. I was looking around. I walked right past it. it, it nobody, no, it's hitting run. Jack Clark. Jack Clark. Nobody's angel. Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, I was re- like, I was reading this book, and then like, I was like, is Tarantino aware of this book? Because I was seeing some things, and yep, he he mentions it. Yeah. It is he really? Yeah, he was like, there's this great book. Where did he Chicago. mention that? It's, it's it's I'm trying to think. It was an interview. It was one of these because really? you know you know he was doing a bunch of interviews. You know. He went on this like podcast run or whatever. And in one of them, and I can't remember which one it is, he, he mentioned he doesn't say Jack Clark. He doesn't say the name. Nobody's angels. He says there's this great book written by the Chicago cab driver. Uh, and it's got all this great dialogue. It's like set in the 90s. And he's just a cab driver. And I was like. It's like this motherfucker. Read Nobody's angel. I, I've had I haven't had it's been a while since I. Uh had any contact with him but i i wrote about mm-hmm. nobody's angel when i when i was uh, blogging for barnes and noble and i raved about it it was like mm-hmm. one of my favorite books of the year and jack clark reached out to me he was like hey thanks this is you know like nobody else knows what this book is and um you've actually so had I contact with jack, jack clark, clark. <laughs> yeah I kept with him for a while um but i haven't haven't heard I, but i i wonder if he has any idea turn to if you've find out which interview that was or yeah something like yeah that. i'm gonna i'm gonna have to go back through it but he he a hundred percent referenced nobody's angel a hundred i'm not even like he literally described it. he was like yeah hard case he said hard case crime put it out it's a fucking movie it's a it's a book it's written by a cab driver set in chicago like it was a hundred percent this book yeah. and it's one of it's one of his more recent interviews he's done like a hundred podcasts though as yeah, of late I yeah heard any of them but uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, if I, watch I find movies rather than listen to podcasts most of the time, so I don't. Yeah. I got. Uh, I got the sequel over here on a shelf. Got some books over here to go through. What? It's. How is the sequel? Oh, it was good. I mean. I, I actually I should probably read it again, but you know it the nobody's angel had the benefit of just knocking me on my ass like I wasn't prepared for how much I was going to enjoy it. Yeah. And the second one, you know, I was looking for it more, so you know it didn't have that kind of surprise factor. But uh, yeah, I got it down here somewhere. But. Anyway, and it was another self-published one. You know, he, yeah. he self-published. He was sold in the. the yeah, first. that's the crazy thing is that like, like when I heard that he was like selling the book in his cab, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Yo, that's amazing." You know what I mean? Um, uh, yeah, I didn't even think like I was like, "Yo, is this guy still around?" Like when I read this book, I was like, "Where is this guy?" Like, <laughs> like, like you know, he's what still mean? driving cabs and playing open mics with his guitar and things like that. So that's awesome. That's good to hear. Hopefully, Jack. Yeah. Jack Clark is uh still out there doing well. Um, yeah, but that's what I mean though. See, and this that, that's another reason why like I wanted to do mutual aberration society was for stuff like that. Because again, like I just need like this is an extension of my own sort of like like I told I've told people this before. Like this thing is like, why do you do this? It's like honestly, it is a it's a trick for me. Like 
like the, what you've described about your own sort of situation, right. in in your life in terms of like, like it's, I don't think people talk about that enough, like talk about like the hurdles that like it is to like continuously write and make things given life. Right. Most people have families, they have jobs, shit happens. Shit. I mean, let alone, we've had all kinds of stuff happen to us, you know, as, as a society, you know, we've had pandemics, all kinds of crazy shit. Right. Like all of these things that become impediments to people sort of being able to sit down and really write, right? Like there's a lot of stuff. And I feel like that doesn't really get talked about enough. All the advice you hear is kind of like bullshit advice. Like, like, yeah, just write every day, you know, stuff that like, like me and you both agree. Like what? Like I don't write every day. You know what I mean? Like I'm always telling people like writing every day is, you know, that's, it's, it's just as important to not write. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, Yeah, your writing's gonna suffer if you're not like reading and you're not right. things like that. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like people act you like feed, you're just supposed you gotta to feed the muse a little. Yeah, yeah. It's a up. It's a downloading phase or up. You know, an uploading phase, a downloading phase or whatever. Yeah, I, I've described it that way. But yeah, like I, I, I do, I do this specifically because like I feel like I'm tired of like hearing uh, people talk about the same 60 things, <laughs> you know, whatever arbitrary number it is. Right. Like I was telling this, uh, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine, Richard Stringham. He, he made this film close calls. Um, and we're pretty good, pretty good friends. And like, he's, he's really shifted after making that movie. He's really shifted his gears towards uh, doing a lot of screenwriting. But like um, I was telling him like, not only was I talking about some of the stuff we've talked about, but like just how how important it is just to sort of like not just write to write. And you know what I mean? Like that's like, like how do you have anything to say? Like, you know what I mean? Like how do you have, you know, I mean, uh, who was it that said, uh, maybe you know this quote, I can't remember who it was, but there was a writer, and I think it was a woman writer that said something to the effect of like, by the time, if you've lit, if you've made it out of your adolescence, then you have enough to write for the rest of your life. And I kind of thought that was kind of like, I, I, I got this, I got what they were, what, what this writer was trying to say, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, that's not quite true. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like that's not quite true. Uh, uh, like I get, I get this. I I respect the sentiment. Like I understand what she means. Like on some level, he or she. I'm pretty sure it was a woman writer. Um, but while yeah, you're right. Like if you make it from a, a an infant, um, and you go through and you you have there's because there's a lot of stuff you experience from the time you're a baby till you come of age, right? So yeah, there is a lot. And in, 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 in some respects, you could say, okay, well, that sort of uh, m- maturation process, the sort of the rites of passage that people take, you know, from becoming a, a kid to sort of a young adult on the precipice of being sort of an official part of the, the real world. You can say you do experience a lot. And in a way, that's a smaller microcosm of like the, the whole experience of life, right? Just like high school is sort of that way, right? Like they say, like everything's like high school, right? High school sort of is structured the way, that, you know, the work day is, but it's also the social stuff. Like you learn a lot of the same sort of things. It's just in a smaller, 
It's like a kiddie pool as opposed to the giant ocean that is life, right? So I get that, but at the same time, it's kind of bullshit, <laughs> you know? Like you really do have to, uh, uh, you really do have to, have, I didn't have, like, listen, I could always write. That's not me tooting my own horn. Like it's something I could do, like I could always do it, but I didn't have shit to say until I like actually was like an adult, like for real. Like, yeah, I could write, I could, I could mimic things. I could make things. I could, I had a, an implicit understanding of sort of a story. Like I could always do that. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I feel like, again, that's what I feel when that's what I say, when I say uh, like, not everybody, it's a screenwriter is an actual writer. Like, cause I do feel like there is a difference. Like, like, I feel like it's like the 90 mile an hour fastball, like either got it or you don't, but I do feel like screenwriting is one of those, uh, fields where it's actually not like you can still have a career um and not necessarily be a writer like because it is all math like you know what i mean like and honestly the only people you really have to please are in a lot of cases like executives and executives aren't writers they're not you know i don't care how many story conferences you've been through i don't care how many movies you like you're you can't write you're not it's not it's a different it's a different level of, it's a different thing like you know what i'm saying they play different sports so you know because everything is a sports analogy you know <laughs> but yeah i was going to ask you um about st louis a little bit uh i know like there seems to be a lot of like there seems to be a lot of writers out of st louis is that correct am i am i is is that, writers or rioters writers <laughs> writers yeah like, uh, there probably are yeah because it's i mean i i don't know it's probably not any different than other cities but uh yeah it seems like there's a few few and missouri's interesting because i feel like it is very midwestern and as being somebody from the midwest um mm -hmm. there is some sort of a little bit of an overlap there like being in like cincinnati and ohio area to like that area um I do feel like a lot of there's there's like a lot of the writers that I know from that like Missouri. Um, I know the Ozarks is a totally different thing altogether, but it seems like there's a lot of fucking writers from Missouri. <laughs> like maybe that's just me, and like maybe that's because I pay attention. But I mean, obviously, you've got people like you know, you've got you, you've got Scott Phillips. I mean, you got guys like uh, Woodrell Woodrell from fucking he's from the Ozarks, right? I think isn't uh, Jordan Harper from Missouri? Yeah, Jordan Harper is. Um, Math, Matthew McBride, right? Yeah, Matthew McBride. Who I met, who actually, yeah, he's, me and him are cool. Like when he moved out to LA and like, I actually invited him to a house party at uh, Tyrese Gibson's house. And like, we met and talked for a minute. He gave me- Did he burn it down? Huh? No, he didn't burn it down. He, he was, he was, okay, well, okay. Yeah, yeah, McBride was, he was, he was chill. He, he was chill. I haven't he seen chill. him in a few years. I haven't he's, seen he's, him. he's still out now. He's still out there. He's living out there. He's, he's, he's been like, I, just, I was talking to him. He's been through some- interesting changes in his life uh yeah. <laughs> for sure I'm pulling for him. yeah but but you know he's still he's still keeping out he's still trying to write like i said he's uh damn i need to talk to him too i wonder what he's doing but yeah, yeah it's just something it's just weird it's just something i wanted to ask you that before I'm, I'm gonna let you go but i just wanted this to ask you what do you you know about a little bit about like st louis and i mean i don't know i've lived in st louis for 26 years now but uh <laughs> You know, like I, I grew up, I lived in Kansas and Colorado and I lived in Arkansas before I lived here. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's 
you know, I, I don't know if I'm a Missouri writer or, or not, but I think 20, I think 26 years is long enough. (laughs) I think you could could say, like I graduated high school in Arkansas, uh, you know, formative years were in, you know, Denver and Arkansas and childhood was in Kansas, but, um, mm. uh, but yeah, I've been here for a while. I still don't, uh, I, I still don't know a lot about, um, yeah, I'm sure there are, but there, there are, I know there are a bunch of, uh, writers here in town, but like, I, they're not, I don't have much contact with them. <laughs> I, get you. Uh, I, I, I just, I feel like there's a, uh, there's, and you know, it, not that it's exclusionary against me or anything, it's just, but there's a, there, you know, there's any kind of professional circles, I'm sure that you're in, you kind of know other people who do that thing. And I don't, I don't know the writers here in town. I know there's there are several professional. Well, you know Scott. And things like that. Yeah, it's just me and Scott. But yeah, uh, yeah. And so I, did, I would imagine that, there, that there's a lot in in most major metropolitan areas. And the last thing I'll say, and I'm gonna let you go because I know you got to use the bathroom dog. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> a fuckload of scotch tape. Um, that got made into a movie, right? That's the rumor. Uh, okay, enough said. <laughs> no, it, it, uh, let's see. I got, uh, I got it right over here somewhere. Um, that's not it. Uh, There it is. <laughs> there it is. I was going to ask you a little, like, like, I know that that's like a, it was made pretty on a pro, an indie scale, right? Um, was that like your first sort of like screenwriting interaction that you had? Actually, or, I didn't write, I didn't have anything to do with the movie. I wrote a short story okay. called The Fuckload of Scotch Tape. It was uh, published in a magazine called Out of the Gutter. Right, I remember. Um, that um, and the the Julian Grant, the director who uh, made made it, um, that's where he found he found the story, mm-hmm. and he uh, contacted me through the magazine and you know asked for permission, and you know we signed a contract, and he he made it, uh, he made it. and uh, it wasn't until. Uh, just a few weeks before production began that uh, I learned it was going to be a musical. <laughs> so, uh, wow. really, really interesting yeah. to go with it. Um, yeah, that's but, why I was, uh, I don't know what you want to say about that, but like, I, that's why I wanted to ask because I was like, I'm pretty sure. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm super happy that, that somebody made, you know, their own weird little project out of it i mean that's the movie is his the you know story is mine i still i still think about uh, the characters i still uh include uh the character and, and some things that i've uh, written since and um 
so you know i'm i'm glad that uh that he he took it and and played around with it Uh, but yeah i mean it's um it's a movie right that's the right i mean that's that's kind of the, the the right attitude to have truthfully uh yeah. My honestly, my my biggest um, my biggest hope for it, you know, I was never going to make money on it, but my biggest hope for it was that he was going to make some, you know, really kind of batshit thing, which he has. So there's 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 some really strange and kind of uh, cool stuff in there in this you know movie that a lot of people would find difficult to watch all the way through but uh i was like your kind of movie <laughs> in more than one way but, uh, but there's there's some cool stuff in there and you know my 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 biggest hope for it when uh he he expressed interest in doing it was that he's gonna make some bizarre thing that nobody's gonna see but you know years and years later some new filmmaker is going to be interviewed about you know how do you get into filmmaking or whatever it's like man i was a little kid surfing the internet and i found this this movie that just freaked me out and i thought the hell was that and like that's not a that's not movie like could movies be this and you know and i i i decided i wanted to see more and uh, and i don't you know i don't know that that's going to happen but uh, I, i'm i'm not convinced that's going to happen but that was my biggest hope for it you know uh, that uh it would be something very unique uh to the the personality who made it that that julian um i don't know if you've seen any of his short films uh i mean he's made several features uh including the RoboCop uh, Prime Directives uh, series. Those those ones made, that are on. Aren't those on, aren't those on like Prime, I think. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm yeah, the Prime yeah, Directives. Yeah. 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 He, he yeah. Wrote, directed all of those. So I mean, like he's he's got some serious, you know, B movie uh, credentials. Made RoboCop IP, but uh, he made some uh, he made some other short films out of. Um, out of the gutter stories uh that were you know just made on a nothing budget um, yeah but yeah. real kind of personality to him uh and he still does like um i was watching one of his movies uh a couple months back on tubi uh some little animation thing he did so i mean he's still too fucking around uh doing uh doing Whatever I'm, check, I'm, I'm, def- I'm definitely going to check his stuff out. Yeah, Tubi's a gold mine, by the way. Like, Tubi is like the best, the best streaming service, like in my opinion. <laughs> there's so much shit on there. Like, there's, it's like, there's, there's and there's yeah. some. You know, there's a lot of one and a half to two and a half star movies that I will. Uh, right. I, will right. I love it. I, I love it, man. I love it. I love it. Well, man, I'm not going to keep you no more. It was it was good to to talk with you, Jed. I appreciate yeah, you uh, appreciate being open that. to talk about, you know, Peckerwood. I know I know I know that you were like, why? <laughs> uh, no, it's not 
hard to talk about. I just was surprised. I was like, you know, we don't like we can talk about whatever. Right. <laughs> you really want to talk about Beckerwood? Because yeah. I can do it. I just, uh, <laughs> right, right. I, you don't have to like blow up, you know, my ego or something like no, that. No, no, but I, I'm definitely not. Like if if because I like I said, I'm familiar with you. We could have just talked about movies. And that would have been that's normal. You know, that's what I do. But I was like, no, I wanted to talk about this book. And I was just like, this is a perfect opportunity to talk about this book with Jed. Like, so well, yeah, happy to luck anybody who's interested in Peckerwood now, uh, because it's completely out of print. It's out of print, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta see. Hopefully this starts a trend. Maybe, maybe, maybe Peckerwood will maybe all good books go out of print. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All good books go out of print. But uh <laughs> This will be. I'm just a, not sure which trend you're you're hoping it starts. I mean, maybe it'll maybe it'll uh, spark interest and maybe it'll lead to a reprinting. You know, <laughs> maybe you never know. Really far fetched. Yeah. I mean, you gotta be. You gotta think. You gotta think positive, Jed. <laughs> I am saying this to the guy who wrote Peckerwood, by the way. That's that's why it's funny. <laughs> Very bleak outlook. Uh, but yeah, man. Uh, thanks again for uh for coming on, man. And uh, I know you've been holding holding your, your, your bladder so please hold my, hold my all right man <laughs> all right good to talk to you man did you talk to you thanks man Bye. Bye.